0: Hi, this is Michelle Weidenbenner with Moms Letting Go. Moms Letting Go Without Giving Up. If you're the mom of an addicted loved one, you aren't alone. And I am here as your chief hope builder. That's what I call myself. Um, I love to encourage moms on their journey. It's a very difficult journey. And I have started... The founder of Moms Letting Go. There's a private Facebook group. If you're not there, please feel free to ask to join, and I will approve you. Um, it's a private page, so you can ask for support, you can commiserate, you can just, um, you know, share everything without anybody else seeing it except for those in the group. So, I also have a group of courses. help educate you on your journey understanding addiction is one and then another one is obsessive thoughts and how to come up with strategies to stop all those thoughts from killing you Um, because wow it's just overwhelming when we're in the chaos of addiction in our families and we can't um, find ways out so i have some strategies in there um and i um of support group meetings. Uh, right now they're free on Wednesday night. I don't know how much longer they're going to be that way. This week I'm talking about motivational interviewing. So I'm sharing that information with you here today because I like to repurpose. So when I put together a, a project, I like to share it in multiple um, places so that moms can listen on the go. Maybe you're walking and listening. Maybe you're driving or maybe you're just... Um, For a while, I was listening to podcasts while I was sewing COVID masks. So whatever you're doing, I hope that you find value in this segment today. Um, But before I begin, I just want to emphasize that I'm not a counselor and or a physician. I'm just another mom like you who is um, living in my purpose to, to bring hope to you and to bring education along my journey to help you. Um, what I, stay, what I say here is confidential, and we all have opinions. So you might not agree with some of the strategies or suggestions that I offer, and, oh, my goodness, please do take what you want and leave the rest. Um, my goal is to help you recapture you instead of focusing on the chaos of the addiction cycle in your family. My, I love working with moms who want to continue in their purpose and find a way to recover from the chaos of their addicted loved one. And it's not easy. It's not easy, but I'm here not to judge, just to support you on your journey. If you don't know who I am, I'm the mom of an addicted loved one who is in recovery. I think it's this week there are 17 months, my, our son and his wife, 17 months into recovery. Um, I have been an author. I have best-selling novels, and that's where I was doing most of my writing was in fiction, in um, memoirs, and, and different things, but uh, God, I felt that God was calling me to serve in this way, and so I've been doing that and enjoying it, so I have, we are also legal guardians of our granddaughters, 10 and 15, and um, their parents continue to do well, and reunification is on its way they're visiting they're they're having great times together so i'm really hopeful that uh, eventually they'll be a family again i love to play pickleball so if you are a pickleball enthusiast you (laughs) you're in the right place not really i mean i i i call myself the dinking diva so um i wish i wish but anyway okay and today, like I said, I'm going to talk about motivational interviewing, and according to Craig and Morrison, 2007, they gave it this definition. Motivational interviewing is an empathetic, person-centered counseling approach that prepares people for change by helping them resolve ambivalence, enhance intrinsic motivation, and build confidence to change. Wow. So most of this motivational interviewing is done in clinic settings. So you'll see counselors use this technique in your child's recovery and rehabs. And the reason is because studies show, they call this change talk, studies show that um, it's really effective in clinical settings. Um, It's been linked to successful behavior change. So um, that is powerful, right? And so in a counseling session, in a setting, it encourages clients, you know, with a counselor to talk about their need for change and their own reasons for wanting to change um, with their client. So that would be like your addicted son or daughter. The role of the interviewer is mainly to evoke a conversation about change and then helping them commit to finding a way to change. The interviewer listens and reflects back the client's thoughts so that the client can hear their reasons and motivations expressed back to them. That's how it works in a counseling setting. So here I am. Well, why can't we do that as moms, right? Who's more committed to their children than moms? And we want to help them on their road to recovery. Can we emotionally facilitate this type of interviewing, Mm, maybe not successfully, not as successfully as a counselor, but I believe that there is value in knowing the questions to ask, the way to listen. And so that's why I'm sharing this with you so that at least you have some awareness of what goes on and what makes uh, an addiction recovery uh, facility good is the way they use, is the way they counsel and the way that they facilitate change for our children. This intervention helps them become motivated to change. Um, and then those, especially those behaviors that are preventing them from making healthy choices, right? So I call this, I, I kind of made up my own word. I don't think it's a word in the dictionary, so that's why I say I made it up. But I call it communicate. It's a way that moms can communicate that they care. And don't you want to communicate that you care? Yes, you loved your addicted child. You probably don't like him or her if they're in the throes of addiction right now. But I get it. I understand. And sometimes if you can learn techniques on how to communicate better that you care without enabling it's going to help you in the long run. This motivational interviewing process, the first goal in it is to increase the person's motivation. And the second part, again, is to help them make a commitment to change. So I believe that we can do this and um, as long as we're curious and we don't, the blame game or you should have would have could have done this um, and without judgment so um, I am going to pause this because I was interrupted by a phone call and I'm going to try to connect this with the next video I mean I'm sorry the next audio so stay tuned and um, hear more about ORs Ors, and that is the The four letters, O-A-R-S, that we use in strengthening this process of building change. Okay? Motivational interviewing is used in counseling settings. And when it is used in those settings, it encourages the clients to talk about their need for change and their own reasons for wanting to change. The role of the interviewer, in this case, you know, the counselor, it's mainly to evoke a conversation about change and commitment. The interviewer listens and reflects back what the client's thoughts are so that the I can hear his or her reasons and motivation expressed back to them. And studies show that change talk, that's what they call it, like in this motivational interviewing, it's called change talk. Um, it's, it's been linked with successful behavior change. So that's why so many counselors use it. This intervention helps people become motivated to change behaviors that are preventing them from making healthy choices does that sound like anybody you know (laughs) yes our addicted loved ones so often are not making healthy choices and as moms we want to facilitate that change right so but can we can we do that um, we're so emotionally charged. We're right there in the throes with the addiction crisis with our child that so often we're not able to implement this um, change in our addicted loved one's life. We can't implement this technique because we're not counselors. But here's here's what I'm going to say. We have to... Um, learn a new school a new skill and i am confident that we can learn a new skill because um, we're we're intelligent people and we're motivated right so i just i just made an, up a new word and i call it communicare communicare it's kind of like communicating that we care and in this motivational interviewing process we can um, help motivate our addicted loved ones to change. I'm confident that we can do that. And so I'm bringing you today with some skills, just with some questions and with this whole theory, hoping that hearing this, maybe if it's for the first time, it will encourage you to read more about it. But maybe if you have heard about it, maybe it will encourage you to try this technique with your loved one. Um, The first goal in this process is to increase your addicted loved one's motivation to change. And then the second part is to help him or her make a commitment to change. So can we change our child's choices? No. And, and, you know, if you see the path, there's one that goes right and there's one that goes left as hard as we want our child to go down the road of recovery, we can't force it, right? But what we can do is be curious without blaming and without judgment, right? That's that's what this technique does. It's it's just tapping into your curiosity without blaming your child, without judgment. And those two things, oh, my goodness, they're so hard. I know that. So this technique... um, is called, um, if you think of the acronym ORS, OARS, O A R S, I can see them. Motivational interviewing requires four key communication skills that support and strengthen the process of building this change talk, right? So that's what we're doing change talk. And the first one is open ended questions, the second is affirming, the third is reflective listening. And the fourth is summarizing. And if you take the beginning letter of each one of those, it spells out ORS. So we're going to give our son or daughter the ORS to get out of their situation. Or we're going to help facilitate that. Are we going to be successful? Probably not. But I think knowing these questions and helping um, guide how we communicate with our loved one is going to help. And even if, you know, we you you choose, I'm not going to try that. There's no way I can do that. I understand. I'm not judging. I, I'm just um, hopeful that when your son or daughter's counselor tells you that they're using a motivational interviewing technique or approach, that you'll know what that is okay i'm smiling here so the first one is open-ended questions Um, open-ended questions in this interviewing helps us find out more about our loved one's perspective and ideas about change these open-ended questions are crucial in building and strengthening our relationship and they're useful in the process of sparking our loved one to change So here's some sample questions. You know, the next time your loved one is talking to you um, and you're trying really hard not to engage in the chaos, right? Um, Think about some of these questions. Help me understand, blank. How would you like things to be different, blank? What are the good things about drinking, or using, and what are the less good things about it? When would you be most likely to blank? When would you be most likely to not drink or not use? What do you think you will lose if you give up drinking? What do you think you'll lose if you give up using? What have you tried before? to make a change, to make, you know, to stop? What have you tried before? Well, what do you want to do next? What makes you think it might be time for a change? What brought you here today? So, you know, your son or daughter visits you or comes to your work, comes to your home. What brought you here today? Um, what happens when you drink or use your, your drug of choice? What was that like for you? What's different about quitting now than before? You know, so maybe maybe they're having trouble and they've relapsed. What what, may, What was different this time than last time? Or why was last time just different than this time in their recovery? And so let's say, you know, you ask the question, what brought you here today? And they say, oh, I lost my job. I can't pay my bills. Um, I'm, you know, I my car broke down. Or usually, when they want to talk to us, it's always because they need something, right? I mean, it it was for me. Um, The next step is affirming, affirming, and this can be done through um, recognizing and commenting on your addicted level and strengths and abilities. Affirming is excellent. To build rapport, it's incorporating a technique to acknowledge and validate your loved one's emotions. So, let's say they come to your house and they need money, and they're just really out on your lock, their luck as always, right? You could say, "Oh, it sounds like this is a really challenging time for you. Yeah, no wonder you feel overwhelmed. You know, you you validate, you affirm what they're feeling. You don't." get into the drama of it you're not trying to solve their problem if you can think about it as if you're talking to a stranger oh that must have been really tough right Um, that is going to affirm how they feel the emotion in it and then you can reflectively listen reflectively listen so this is the R O A R reflective listening can be um, used effectively through summarizing, too, and that's the S in, in um, ORS is reflective and then summarizing. When we repeat what our addicted loved one has told us in our own words and in the form of a statement rather than a question, we encourage them to continue talking. So so now instead of asking them a question, we're going to affirm and then reflective listen. Um, the most crucial part of doing this, and the reason we do this, is is to get them to talk, but particularly if he or she is upset or angry, it can help them calm down. This helps them to calm down because they feel understood. So you kind of recap what they're trying to tell you. So, oh, it sounds like, you know, this is really difficult for you, or it sounds like, and then you repeat, you know, what they just told you. Oh, it seems as if you're really in a bind. So what I hear you saying is that you don't have money to put gas in your car because you no longer have a job. Hmm. And then you just pause, right? You just kind of summarize what they've just told you. Um, So you feel like you're down on your luck so you're just summarizing right you're not you're not giving them tips you're not um telling them what to do you're not doing the shoulda woulda could have or blaming them well that's because you used it on drugs you're just mirroring what what they feel it's reflective listening it allows you to clarify what your child is saying for the purpose of understanding correctly but also when we say it they can hear what they are saying and then they can pause to reflect or choose to move forward so you know by listening by us repeating what they just said it's just kind of like they're hearing it in a different way so here's some specific reflective examples it sounds like you're concerned about your drinking or I get the sense that you want to change and you have concerns about your drinking or drug use, or it sounds like um you need to get a job, but something's getting in the way what do you, you know what do you think that is? Um, what do you think it might take for you to get a job in the future? Um, I get a feeling that there's a lot of pressure on you right now to change, so you can get a job. And you're not sure you can because of all the difficulties you've had in the past and you've tried in the past. So listening repeats or substitutes. So, so your goal is to repeat or substitute synonyms or phrases and stay close to what your loved one is saying. You can paraphrase um, when you make a restatement. And you emphasize emotional aspects of the communication through feeling statements. This is the deepest form of listening possible. This is the deepest form. And your loved one is going to feel heard if you can use this. So the final, not the final part, but the, the S, I want to talk a little bit about the summarizing part now. Summarizing is also used to identify the core ideas of your loved one's story. So when you, we use reflective listening and combine them, that with summarizing, again, they can hear themselves talk about what they need to change. And we show empathy by replaying back to our loved one what they just said. So it becomes kind of a part of the process that sparks their motivation to change. So you can begin with statements like this. So let me see if I understand so far. So at some point as you're talking to the person, you say, let me see if I understand so far. So you're telling me that today you um, ran out of gas and you didn't have money because you don't have a job and you just feel so overwhelmed because everything is coming at once and you've tried in the past to do x y or z and that didn't happen and so now um you feel like this so have i missed anything so are you trying to solve their problem no you're just listening so here's some more summary samples sounds like you're concerned about your um job because it's costing you you know negative consequence where does that leave you Or it sounds like um, you're concerned about your wife or your loved one because she keeps drinking. So where does that leave you? Um, On the one hand, you feel you need to quit using drugs for your health, but on the other hand, it probably means that you'll lose your friends. You won't have your friends anymore. That doesn't sound like an easy choice so you know in that case you're saying wow okay so you're telling me that you want to quit but if you do you're not going to have any friends anymore so you're just kind of mirroring what they feel so hmm that doesn't sound like an easy choice it sounds like you're struggling with making that choice now keep in mind i'm not saying that he should be struggling right i'm just saying we're just summarizing what they're telling us so you really have to pay attention to what is that so um This is another sample summary. Um, It's easy to understand why you are committed to working on your use disorder. It's easy to understand why you're not committed to working on it. Or Over the past three months, you have been talking about quitting your alcohol consumption or your drug use. It seems you have started to recognize the less good things about using and your girlfriend said she's leaving you if you don't do something. So, you know, um, is that what you're trying to tell me? Is, is that what you're saying? Did I miss anything? If that's accurate, what other points are there to consider? Um, is there anything you want to add or correct? Am I, am I not hearing this right? So you're giving them the chance to really express how they feel. Um, and then here are some change questions I'm throwing a ton of questions at you just so you kind of get the point if you if you were to decide to change something what would you have to do to make that happen describe a possible extreme consequence if you don't do if you don't change or if you do change you know you can work that both ways what is the best thing you could imagine that could result from you changing? What if you don't use? What's the best thing that you could imagine that could happen? If you don't change, what's the worst thing that might happen? If you do change, how would your life be different from what it is today? And so then you kind of take them through, well, what are the pros and cons to you changing? What are some good things about you drinking? What are some, what's the flip side? What are some of the less good things about you using? And you ask them to kind of evaluate that, right? So what are the benefits from your unhealthy behavior? What are the uh, cons? What are the pros? What are the cons to you using? Um, And in this discussion, while you're having this discussion, if they're in an active addiction while you're you're having this discussion, what do you think is gonna happen? they're probably just going to get so angry at you. They're just going to be exasperated because they're going to hear what they're saying and they're probably going to get so angry. They're just going to want you to help them right then and there, or give them the money or do something. And they just might storm out. They might just be really angry. And if so, there's nothing you can do because you're going to choose calm, right? Um, but you're going to be able to tell if there's a readiness there to change their mindset um, I want to um, wrap this up then so in the end so how do you end all that right so you've got all this oars open-ended questions um, you're affirming them you are um, summarizing actively list, listening and in the end if they want to change, if they, if they sound like that is something that they are open to, right? That's our goal. You could say, well, what steps could you take toward reaching that goal? Notice, you know, I'm not saying, well, how can I help you? Like, let me call the counselor right now, right? What steps can you take if you want to reach this goal? How might you organize and plan this? When would you like to start? All these are open-minded or open-ended questions. They can't just answer yes or no. Who is a professional you could that could help you outline this plan? Do you know somebody? You know who is that person that could help you outline this plan? Um, And so, what that does is it it kind of helps them become accountable um, to. Somebody, okay, yes, it it probably isn't a good idea if they're accountable to you. You want them to be accountable to themselves, but you could ask them, would you like somebody to hold you accountable for this, and who might that be right? Um, what steps could you take? so um, I have a whole summary sheet of questions on on this motivational interviewing that Um, I will probably be posting somewhere, I don't know. Reach out to me if that's something that you would like. I I also do support groups. I've been doing them uh, for free on Wednesday evenings in our group. Eventually I'm going to be um, having a whole membership where moms can join, um, be involved in a one-on-one partnership with somebody, um, be included in all the courses, that I have for sale at Teachable, um, that will be a part of it. The support groups will have speakers and Bible studies and book studies. So I hope that that's something that you will consider if um, if that is something that will help you on your recovery journey. And finally, um, just to wrap up, remember that motivational interviewing is something that counselors do. But I'm confident that you can learn from these questions and start your own CommuniCare with your loved one and ask open-ended questions, affirm how they feel so they so they feel heard, even though we don't agree with what choices they're making in their lives right now. We can't control it, we didn't cause it, um, all the C's, right? But we can affirm. Sounds like this is really challenging. No wonder why you feel overwhelmed. I'm sorry you have to go through this. So and then reflecting. So what I hear you say is blah 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 and repeat and summarize. So just to rephrase, I think this is what you're saying. Am I right? Is there anything you would add to that? And it sounds like Maybe you're open to changing something what what would be the pros? What would be the cons and how um how could you find somebody to help you stay accountable or put you in a plan, help you build a plan because you are worth your recovery, and so are you, mom. So thank you for listening today for being a part of this um for helping me on this ministry because, it, you know, I can talk all day, but if I don't have listeners, what's it for, right? So I I pray for you. I hope that you are going to be um, finding your success in your recovery and in guiding your child to recovery because once you recover and you can stay calm, remain calm, and even walk your son or daughter through oars, Through this type of technique, um, your child will look at you in awe and want the same recovery for himself or herself once they know that you're not going to bail them out and that the only way you'll bail them out is with love, empathy, and open-ended questions. (laughs) All right. Good luck and God bless.